Welcome to OsteoCast, where we talk all things osteopathy, functional anatomy, and movement. With your hosts, myself, Colby Brokel, Amanda Boysen, and Sarah Pucal. Welcome back to OsteoCast, guys. With your hosts, Colby, Sarah, and Amanda again. We're here today to uh, have a little discussion and chat about the neck. So we want to talk a little bit about how the neck works and uh, what like a, a classic case or, or some of the common cases we see in our clinics with necks and neck issues and how they relate to the rest of the body. Uh, so we're going to kind of just jump right into that. Um, do you guys have a specific lesion you want to talk about in relation to the neck? I think we said, uh, what, like side bent right, rotated right? So, yeah, so as a person listening, you're thinking about your right ear being stuck down towards your right shoulder. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So in that case, um, just simply we'll review the anatomy a little bit about what holds that locally, like right in that little area by the neck. And then you can talk a little bit about what is uh, away from it. Um, so in that little area, obviously the musculature at the neck that holds the neck attaches down to the ribs, to the collarbone, to the shoulder in that area. When that musculature is, is shortened or pulling, you'll actually have the rotation and, and side bending of the head, but that muscular tissue will be on tension which of course requires some level of, of control from the nerves as well as the blood, but you'll have those muscles as short or restricted on that side. And when they do have that side bend to the right, oftentimes they're going to actually feel the pain on the left because it's that left side where the tissue is pulling and not letting them turn their head to the left or giving them that full range of motion. Um, which I find is a common thing as well, because when you go to start treating the right side of the neck, they always want to, they want to know why you're not working on the left or how come, you know, the left side's in pain. Like let's release the left side a little bit more. So again, both sides of the neck will be affected depending one side will be shortened and one side will be lengthened based on the biomechanics yeah. in the neck. Well, yeah. And just as everything else, we talk about osteopathy, we're going to narrow down the neck, but we can relate this out to the whole body because in how the body works is everything in the body will be affected by this. You may have a side bending and rotation to the right side of the neck, but then you'll have an issue with the left shoulder or some of the ribs on the left. And then maybe the, the right hip and it'll zigzag crisscross back and forth in a healthy body as compensation, as you guys have heard us talk about before. So it's definitely something to consider. And then when you're looking at the neck, oftentimes in my experience, anyways, I find the neck to be more commonly a muscular problem than a, a bony or something else. I think the reason really is because there's so much musculature in the area and that it's such a delicate area and it requires a lot of movement because you can turn your head almost fully side to side up and down. There's a lot of movement. So that requires a lot of soft tissue control and stability as well. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those muscles, when we talk about just the back of the neck, come all the way down into the spine. So they really are influenced by what the back and the shoulders um, all the way down to the, what the sacrum and the pelvis is doing just because of those muscular attachments kind of wraps all the way around like a loop. Yeah, exactly. So you can hurt your neck or your low back and you're going to feel that referred pain um, in said regions, neck and back. Uh, and just to go, so the muscular curves will be affected, like Colby said. Um, and oftentimes, if you can release that, you'll get a good change. Uh, and then regarding the mechanical side of things, the bony structure, the cervical spine and the lumbar spine are actually mirror images of each other. 
So they both go into this extended form, um, or if you'd like, they kind of curve where you create that little arch uh, through the body, kind of supporting that thoracic cage or that upper middle back that's usually rounded out a little bit. Yeah, the the lumbar and, and cervical spines, they mirror each other because they're the two areas where you actually um, like balance your center of gravity at. So you'll notice if you have a lean forward or a lean back or a lean to the side, your head will actually move front, back, side to side to make sure that your frontal eye field, so where your eyes are actually looking, stays level. So sometimes you'll have a neck issue, but it's because you have a, an ankle problem on one side and that ankle causes a a leg that appears short or a tipping of the pelvis and essentially you have a, a tilted upper shoulder line like your shoulder line and your head has to adapt to that to make sure that the eyes can stay level so you add this so the head and eyes can face forward and then you end up with maybe a side bent and rotated neck to the right which then causes issues in the neck where in reality the cause of that problem is that ankle that's way down below yeah, exactly. And when we look at how the head sits on the shoulders, there's basically that outlet or thoracic outlet. So there's a ring um, between your collarbones, your shoulder blade, your rib cage, um, and then all the musculature that has to support all the blood flow um, and the nervous tissue coming in and out of the head. So as soon as your head starts to travel forward or back or side to side, like we're describing, all those structures that have to go through there, if you think about those like garden hoses, when they start to get kinked, the flow or um, the rate of flow out changes or can be affected. So we want to make sure that not only is your head sitting level on your shoulders, um, but also that there's an open passage for all of that to flow through because then that can really have a widespread effect on the body, digestion, all the nervous tissue coming or all the nervous um, stimulation coming to and from the head and neck. Absolutely. And that's everything, right? Because the brain's up there. Yeah. So you got to make sure that all that's that's free and, and moving as it should. Very important. And sometimes, I mean, you for your own self-assessment at home, if you look if you look in the mirror, you can see if your head is tilted to one side or the other. You can see if you have one shoulder lifted up on one side. Those things shouldn't be present. That's not how your body should function. And if that's the case for you, then it might be a good idea to either do some self-care or reach out to a practitioner in your area to, to get that looked at because it's not something that should be there and it's going to decrease function. May that be something as simple as having some foggy thoughts or uh, some discomfort that's uh, related to it. Yeah. Another one I think that just like as a self-assessment tool is to bring your hands out straight in front of you and then try and lift them both over your head and look in a mirror because oftentimes you'll really see the unleveling of your shoulders at that point or you'll notice that one arm can't straighten and the other one is fine. But something that you would probably never feel unless you visually saw that. Yeah, of course. And maybe we'll do a podcast in the future on some simple movements and self-assessments that you can watch yourself do and see if there's any sort of um, fault in the movement. And that can give you an idea that something needs to be taken care of because that can be a full talk in terms of, you know, ankles, hips, knees, shoulders, whatever it may be, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, and I think we've reiterated this in a previous podcast, but that's the piece where there's that dysfunction there, but you might not feel any pain yet because as we've said before, pain is generally the last thing to arise and the first thing to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Dysfunction will always start before the pain starts. So it's nice to catch that early on if you can. Yeah, exactly. And again, um, as we said before, pain is always the first thing to go away. So, you know, just because you feel better doesn't mean the mechanics and the alignment is back to 
par and sometimes you need a little bit extra treatment past the point of feeling no pain to get your body back into good working order and have proper drainage and uh, blood supply going uh, to all your muscles, nerves, joints. Yes. And to tee on that, um, it, it's exactly as, as Sarah is saying, but what, what might happen is what you might see is that that head is rotated or shoulders up or something's twisted, not doing what it's supposed to, but you have no issues with it or there's some sort of discomfort and it goes away. And in that case, it's the compensation, right? So your body may move its shoulder or a rib or something else, which will create further problems down the road. But if you see that now, you know, in the mirror, how you're moving, then go get it taken care of. Definitely. Exactly. I love that self-assessment tool everyone can go do now and check things out (laughs) and see if they need treatment. That'd be good. Um, so in regards to a uh, neck, then when someone comes into the office, I know we talked a little bit about some stuff. How would you guys look at a, a neck that's side bent ro- and rotated to the right? Like, what are some structures that you guys would be curious of looking at? So we definitely want to start with um, like the upper thoracic spine. So that's basically where all the um, control to the head and the neck comes from. But that's also where a lot of the musculature comes down and attaches to. So we, we can't really start with the head and the neck without making sure that that, that area is really functional first. Um, and that, like we said, can be dictated from the head moving forward or back um, or down through the pelvis. But we want to see how that structure is moving um, independent of everything else to start. Definitely. And then just coordinating the uh, upper T-line, the shoulders, the chest. Uh, the thoracic inlet as we mentioned earlier uh, making sure all that's moving the upper ribs are moving just again for muscular attachments is there any area that's not moving as well as it should or it's um, a little bit stuck that could be causing that side bend rotation through the neck or as Amanda said is it you know purely muscular in the neck usually there's a bit more going on than it being so simple Um, and it's our job to find that fix it and leave it alone yeah Um, oftentimes I'll see uh, issues with the shoulders going into the arms. There's always something to consider. And in particular, the scapular motion itself, when the scapula being the shoulder blade, when that doesn't move and rotate how it's supposed to, it'll rely on uh, cervical and thoracic movement to do its job. And that's usually an area where you'll find some level of restriction in the neck anyways, in my my experience with it. Obviously there are many other things that can, can play into it, but that's one to add to what the, to what Sarah and Amanda had just said. Definitely. I find too, uh, levator scap, like specifically this muscle that attaches to the back of the neck into the top of your shoulder blade is always, um, seems to be an area of pull. Do you guys find Maybe. the same thing? Yeah, usually that's like the the last guy hanging on when the scapula is not moving properly. It keeps pulling to try and get it to move properly. And if you can get the shoulder blade to do its proper job, either with its uh, relationship with the ribs or its relationship with the rest of the arm, then you can have, you can free that lev scap. Yeah, but that that's definitely like one of the big direct connections from the shoulder blade up into the neck. I mean, there's lots of other ones too, but... That's probably the, the most major one with exception to the traps. Yeah. Yes, it kind of holds the most and does the, the most pull, most damage, if you will. Yeah. Cool. So do you guys have any other thoughts in regards to uh, the neck without getting into the detail of how an actual treatment itself would go? 
I'll take that as a no. <laughs> the only thing I'm thinking about is uh, just the importance of uh, a functioning neck and regarding, uh, which was kind of mentioned briefly, the uh, digestion and movement of your respiratory diaphragm. Um, so I do think it's, if you find it hard to take a deep breath or you don't have a well-working diaphragm, often we need to look at the neck uh, and just add the innervation to that diaphragm. So if your neck... C3 to 5 is where the uh, phrenic nerve comes down to to supply the diaphragm, yeah? Yeah, to supply the diaphragm, exactly. So making yeah, sure so that it's working and moving as well as it can um, is a big one. And just, you know, little connections like that is always what we're thinking about, which I don't think is something um, often the clients have in mind when they come in. You know, they're just focused on, I want my pain to go away. Um, but our big thing is making sure that all your physiological functions are working as well as they should be. Um, that's really number one. Uh, regardless of your pain, we need to make sure your body is move, working as well as it can be. Absolutely. And I guess that's something that I thought when I was first starting out with manual therapy and osteopathy is that uh, the, the neck obviously is a very delicate structure and it's a small area in relation to the rest of the spine. But I didn't realize how important it was in terms of the neurological control. So I mean, on the in terms of the output, you obviously have all the control to the arm and shoulder from there. But when it comes to the physiological side, you have through the vagus nerve, the control of the upper two thirds of the digestive system. So everything from your, well, your heart, your lungs, your stomach, your pancreas, part of the intestines, part of the colon, there's so much that's involved there. And if there's any sort of an issue there, obviously you're going to see a reaction at any of those uh, structures downstream, as well as like Sarah just mentioned, the, the diaphragm is controlled purely from a nerve coming off the neck, which is our breathing, which is our uh, fluid pump to make sure that our, our blood and fluids are moving back and forth properly. So it's a huge huge, huge, huge physiological area in terms of the neck that can be affected when there's any sort of a lesion there. And I always thought prior to that, when I was just a, a kin student, I guess that it wasn't as important as it is, but it's clearly very, very important. Yeah. And when we talk about those connections too, one thing to just briefly touch on, which this could be a whole nother topic is that not only is there an output from, let's just say very, very vaguely from like the head or the neck or the nerves to that diaphragm, but then there's also a sensory input coming back into the spinal cord and then going back up. So once that motor output has changed, then there's a sensory output that's going to kind of work like a feedback loop. And so that then wiring of that change just becomes ever more, um, ingrained into your body as well because it's just giving that feedback loop so just with everything you guys are talking about about how important like digestion and respiratory diaphragm is once that change has been made from a neurological standpoint that loop can just kind of get yeah. more and, and more that and that principle works for everything in the body there's going to be some exactly. sort of sensory feedback yeah right on and just to mention, uh, Colby brought up the vagus nerve too. So an important part of the neck uh, we didn't really talk about would be kind of the occiput sitting on top of the actual cervical spine or your head sitting on your neck um, and the importance of that joint right at that position um, and how much nerve supply and important functions come from that area. Um, and often that that joint is usually quite stuck just based on our uh, daily living of sitting at a desk, staring at a computer, looking down at our phone too much. That joint doesn't get the proper movement it should and often becomes 
does become a little bit stuck or doesn't move as well as it should. So it's just something to note as well that that can also affect uh, the vagus nerve supply. And again, as we discussed, everything kind of going down and coming back up to the head. Yeah, very true. Good, good, good. Yeah, all of those components are going to be important, right? Every one of the C1 through C7, you talk about the neck has a crucial function somewhere in the body. So it's a, it's a very detailed conversation that can occur. But I mean, in this platform, that detail will just bore people to sleep. <laughs> cool. Do you guys have anything to add in regards to the neck? I think I'm pretty well good. Yeah, I think, yeah, I feel like we, we touched on a lot. Well. Awesome. Well, in that case, everybody, thank you for listening to us. Uh, just, I don't know, rabble on, talk about nothing. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Uh, have a good day. Take care. If you want to check us out on Instagram or want to communicate with us, it's uh, osteocast underscore on Instagram. Uh, shoot us a message there if you have any questions. I know we've had uh, a handful of people reach out and ask us some questions, and we've answered them uh, in the form of doing a podcast for them. So give us a shout if you're interested or if you have any questions about anything. Otherwise, have a good day, and we'll see you later. Bye, guys. Have a good day.